I would like to start today by describing to you two very different kinds of people. And as I describe them, I would guess some of us can picture someone in our minds, or, or maybe you find that you fall into one of these two camps. Uh, person number one, though, we, we can call the, the mushy, feely lover person. Uh, you know this person. They're the kind of person who is always ready with a hug. If you were to greet them after church and stick out your hand for a handshake, they would swat that hand away and wrap their arms around you. It's just kind of the person that they are. Uh, this is the, the type of person who notices when something's wrong. They can see when you're sad. They see the streaks of tears on your face that you think had long ago dried up. Uh, they're the kind of person that asks you not what have you been doing or what have you been up to, but how are you feeling? And they're the type of person that then will sit with you over coffee or at lunch and just listen as you vent or as you cry. Uh, they're the type of person that is not too interested in productivity or efficiency, things that can be measured, but, but they're interested in the immeasurable, the, the issues of the heart. Uh, that's person number one, the mushy, feely, loving person. And then there's person number two, who couldn't be more different. Uh, we can call this person quite simply the thinker. And, and you know this kind of person too. If you were to try to greet the, the thinker with a hug after worship, they would take a step back and reach out their arm just about as far as they could to create that distance and protect their little bubble. They are not the friend of yours that will notice how you're feeling. They won't see the streaks of tears on your face. Uh, they might notice that the roof needs replacing or they might notice that the typo in the bulletin or, or the budget that's just a little bit off. They're not going to sit with you over lunch or over coffee to listen to you as you vent and cry, but they might suggest a really good book that addresses your problem or, or a podcast that they've been listening to that they think really tackles your, your issue right now. Uh, they're the type of person who, when they go to feed my starving children, I know some of you have been there, others of you haven't, but... If you have been, you know that before you start serving, they, they typically show you a video that helps put a face to the kids you're feeding, a face to hunger and starvation. And many of us, when we're watching that video, we're tearing up, right? The tears are coming. We're starting to cry. Some of us are weeping, but not the thinker. Uh, they're pondering all of the ways that they could maximize their efficiency that day. They are determined to pack one more box than last time. They're, they're already writing the letter in their mind to the 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 corporate CEO of Feed My Starving Children, letting him or her know exactly how they can cut costs and, and thereby send more boxes of food to wherever they're going to end up. That is the thinker who is led not as much by their, their heart, but, but by their head. Now, person number one and person number two, as, as you can imagine, couldn't be more different. But I think what we're reminded of today is that we need both. Uh, in our churches, we need both those who are led by their heart who are in touch with their feelings and those who, who lead with their head, who think critically and understand deeply. I think what we're also reminded of, though, today in our reading for today is that each of us individually needs to engage both, both the heart and the head. Uh, last week, if you were here, we talked a lot more about the heart. We read the, the famous love passage from 1 Corinthians 13. And we're reminded that, that at the end, really, love is all that we're left with. Paul makes it pretty clear that you can have and be and do a lot of things in life, and yet if you don't have love, 
You don't have much of anything. He said you could be an apostle, a teacher, an evangelist. You could have the most wonderful spiritual gifts. You could speak in tongues and perform miracles. You, you could uh, give the most wonderful prayers before meals and, and be generous. You could serve. You could even, Paul will go so far as to say, you could even sacrifice your own life for the faith. And yet if you don't have love, well, you don't have much at all. Last week we were reminded that it is God's love, his cross-shaped love for us that is all that we need and that we are called as his people then to reflect that love in, in everything that we do. Last week was, was focused much more on the, the heart, but, but this week Paul addresses much more of the head. Uh, today we're reminded that God both created and has redeemed and now uses our minds that to be fully human is to, to marry the two together, both the head and the heart, and that we are called to love deeply, but also we are called to think critically. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background in our reading for today, Paul is continuing for about the third chapter now to address spiritual gifts within the Corinthian church. And if you've been here the last few weeks, uh, you've heard him talk about that. But in particular today, Paul is addressing the, the gift of speaking in tongues, that miraculous gift of speaking in the tongues of angels. And, and Paul lets them know that it is just that, this ability to speak in tongues is a gift from God. It comes from him, and in many ways it ought to be celebrated. But Paul says it, it, it cannot go on unchecked. That, that heartfelt connection of calling out, crying to the Lord in, in different languages, that it, it needs uh, the brain, the mind, your understanding needs to be engaged as well. So this is uh, what Paul will say in our reading for today. He tells us, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, I have this heart connection with the Lord, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? Well, I will pray with my spirit. I'll talk to God uh, out of love as a little child calls out to their father. But I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit as we do today, calling out to God, singing with words of love, filled with love as we walked in today. But, he says, I will also sing with my understanding. We don't walk into church checking our brains at the door. We, we combine both. See, Paul is making such a big point of this because the, the Corinthians loved to speak in tongues. They were proud of the fact that they could or that they had received this gift. But Paul said there's been a problem. See, as visitors come into the church and they hear this going on, they're confused. They're turned off. They think the Corinthians are crazy. And, and while God has drawn them close to experience his love, that the Corinthians, in this hyper-spiritual act of the heart, have turned them away. And so Paul is saying, okay, you can continue to speak in your tongues. It's a gift from God. It ought to be celebrated. But engage your mind. Provide some interpretation. Be able to clearly articulate, after thinking about it for some time, what it is you're saying so that you can give a, a compelling reason for what is going on in your worship so that those who, who come in don't think that you're off your rockers but, but so that they clearly hear the message of the gospel. Paul says engage your heart but also your mind. This is how he'll finish our reading for today. He says, he ends it by saying, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. Grow up, he's saying. Now in, in regards to evil, of course, be infants but in your thinking, in your mind, be adults. Paul is telling them kindly to uh, <clears throat> grow a brain and start using it. This is important, he says. And this is a message we don't just hear in Corinthians, but we hear it throughout the, the Bible. Paul telling us to, to marry our hearts and our minds. Uh, this is what he'll tell us in Romans 12 too. 
A familiar passage, I think, to many of you. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by, by what? By the renewing of your mind. And once you've renewed your mind, once you think critically and begin to understand, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You'll know the difference between right and wrong. You won't just be pulled in every which way by your heart, but you'll be able to think and understand what God's good and pleasing will is. He wants us to grow up in our knowledge and our understanding. And when we do that, I I think we have a good example that we're following after when we engage our minds. And the example, of course, is the Sunday school answer of... Jesus, yes. Uh, We know that Jesus grew up in his understanding throughout his lifetime. Of course, he was God, but he was also human. And so I think of of the story, many of you know this one too, uh, from Jesus' youth. You remember the story where Jesus is brought to the temple, don't you? His family has taken their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. They spend their time there. And then somehow mom and dad leave behind the Savior and the creator of the world. Somehow he has slipped their minds. And they realize it. Uh, his mother realizes, oh no, we, we left the kid back in, in the temple. And so they hurry back, they search the city, and they find him there. And then at the end of the reading, uh, this is what Luke tells us about that, that scene. He says, from that point as a boy, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He didn't remain in his childish understanding as, as advanced as that understanding was for a child, but he, he continued to grow throughout his lifetime in wisdom and knowledge. And and today God calls us to do the same, to to grow in wisdom and understanding, to continue to learn about him and wrap our minds around who he is, to think critically and consider the ways that we can best be the church, to consider and and think out and plan how we're gonna share the gospel to to continue in growth and knowledge. Uh, I think it's important to remember though why we do that. Uh, because Paul's point is that, that we continue to learn and grow, not just so that we would one, have one more thing to be proud of, uh, not as a measuring stick of God's love, because he makes it clear that we are not saved by how much we know. Uh, his call to increase in understanding has nothing to do with salvation. They're, they're separate issues, in a sense. We, we learn and grow because we've been saved. And, and we know that God accepts the most simple faith of an infant child or a mentally handicapped adult. So it's not tied to our salvation. That's not why we do it. We don't do it to compete with other people or to, to look down on others because we know so much more than them. I, I think it's actually kind of like this. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, we had lots of toys at home. Uh, we had Legos and Duplos, but one of my favorite toys was the simplest of all. It was blocks. Uh, we had these simple wooden blocks, and I don't know where they came from. Maybe they were my dad's, but we had a big Tupperware container full of them. Uh, and I love to play with blocks, but I had brothers. And so you know how just about any game goes when you have siblings, right? Uh, everything, anything can turn into a competition. Who can make the tallest castle or build the highest tower? When the other brother's not looking, what do you do? You knock theirs over and you steal their bricks and you start building up yours, right? That's how it works uh, with, with two brothers. Uh, but I can also remember a few times, and I have this one memory that is very vivid for me, of, of sitting down with my dad and playing with the blocks. And I remember this one time, it was a Saturday morning, we were both up early and we were in our pajamas and my dad sat down with me next to me on the couch and And he wasn't competing with me. When I looked away, he didn't knock over my tower and steal my blocks, right? He had nothing to prove, nothing to gain from from competing against me. He was there to help build me up. 
And so he did. He sat with me and helped me build this gigantic, monstrous tower. And I, I think that's why God calls us to grow in our knowledge and understanding, not to compete, not as a way to measure ourselves against other people or as a way to knock them down, but we grow in our wisdom and understanding. We study the word. We go to Bible studies. And today is a great commercial for Bible study. If you've been on the fence, maybe today is the push. But we do those things to build others up, not to puff out our chests, but so that we can lend a helping hand. So that when people ask us, why do you go to church? What is that all about? We'll have something intelligent to say. <laughs> so that when people ask us, why do you have that hope, that joy in you that I can't seem to find? Well, we'll have thought about it. We'll have explored it. We'll know about God and we'll have a reason to give. See, brothers and sisters, I, I think what we'll also find is that the more we grow, the more we study, the more we open up our Bibles, whether it's here at church or, or on our own, the more books that we read, the more prayers that we memorize, the more we'll, we'll see Jesus in our lives. And, and the more we critically think, that the more we'll see just how far God was willing to go for us, the more we learn and understand, the more we'll see just how much he loves us. In Jesus' name, amen.